Yes, people, it is a Thursday, which means it's time for your weekly film boost with some Echo Chamber, baby. And before we get into this week's films, we got films, we got documentaries, we got that good stuff, baby. But we're gonna take a look at the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, at number 10, it's The Greatest Showman. So, this is from Michael Gracie, and it stars Hugh Jackman, Zach Efron, Zianja, and Kaylee Seattle. At number 9, people. We have got Anti-Life Alright, so this is a new one um, From John Suits And it's starring Bruce Willis Rachel Nichols um, Cassandra Clemente And Cody Castle Hmm, I don't think I saw this Alright, or maybe I did I sometimes forget Right, at number 8 people We've got Sonic the Hedgehog This was from Jeff Fowler Starring, well, it was um, Yeah, no, it was starring Jim Carrey It was the voice of Ben Schwartz as Sonic James Marsden And um, Tika Sumter Right, which means at number seven this week, it's Walter Dome's Trolls World Tour. Voice cast of Rachel Bloom, Chance the Rapper, Jamie Dorman, you know what I mean? Completely different from his Barb and Star, right? And Anna Kendrick. So, at number six, we got Jumanji the Next Level from Jake Castan. Starring Karen Gillan, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Danny DeVito. So we are now in the top five, five, five. We have got uh, Despicable Me 3. So this was from Pierre Coffin and Carl Bada. Starring, well, voice cast of. Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig, Trey Parker, and Miranda Cosgrove. So, people, at number four, and I'm not surprised, right? After the big news dropped yesterday that the new film is No Way Home, we've got Spider-Man Far From Home. So, obviously, John Watts are doing his magic. And this one starred Tom Holland, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jacob Baltalon, and a Zeander again. And have you noticed all three Spider-Man films have home in a title? First one, Homecoming. This one, Far From Home. And the third, No Way Home. A little, hmm. All right. At number three. We have got Sing So this was from Gareth Jennings And it starred 
Tom or Tom Taron Egerton, Tory Kelly, Reese Witherspoon, and Scarlett Johansson. Which means at number two is um, Robert Zemeckis's retelling of Ronald Dahl's The Witches. So this, you know, we had Anna Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, Jazia Bruno, and Christine Chensworth, which means people, this week's number one, 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 is Mark Munden's The Secret Garden. Yep, yep. So we've got Dixie Epperick, Colin Firth, Amir Wilson and Julie Walters all turning a hand at a new adaptation of the classic book. So people, that's our top 10. Let's get into, well, before we get into this week's films, a little bit of info for you. Let's go! People, it is nearly March and your friendly neighborhood horror streaming platform Shutter. Oh, they've got some good stuff for you. So, as they do, they will be dropping a movie premiere every week of March, right? Every week of March, including, you know, continuation of season two of the hit series, A Discovery of Witches. So, the first film to drop on the 4th of March is Lucky. Alright, we'll be talking about this next week, people. So, uh, yeah, don't fear. But life takes a sudden turn for May. Right? A popular self-help book author when she finds herself the target of a mysterious man with murderous intentions. Every night, without fail, he comes after her. And every day, the people around her barely seem to notice. With no one to turn to, May is pushed to her limits and must take matters into her own hands to survive and regain control of her life. Dum, dum, dum. So this is a written by and starring Brie Grant and directed by Natasha Kerman. Okay, so we've also got the following week on the 11th of March, Stay Out of the Attic, right? So a diverse group of ex-cons turned movers. Yeah, played by Morgan Alexandria, Ryan Francis, Bryce Fernalius. You know, they're convinced by their creepy client, Vern Muller, to pull an all-nighter for a generous pay bump. As the night progresses and rooms are cleared, they slowly uncover the horrors that exist inside his old Victorian mansion, including booby traps, human experimentation, 
experimentation, Nazi monsters and more, will they survive the night? It is written and directed by Joran Lauder. So then the next week on the 18th of March, you've got Slacks. Okay, so a a possessed pair of jeans is brought to life to punish the unscrupulous practices of a trendy clothing company. Shipped to the company's flagship store, Slacks proceeds to wreck carnage on staff locked in overnight to set up the new collection. It's starring Romaine Dennis, Brett Danahoo. Sierra Bajani, Stefan uh, Bogart, and it's directed by Ella Kemphart. Okay, so then, actually, on the same day, the 18th, you will be getting Coco de Coco da. And um, this is as an unhappy couple, you know. Um, Embark on a camping trip to find their way back to each other. A sideshow artist and his shady entourage emerge from the woods, terrorizing them, luring them deeper into a maelstrom of psychological terror and humiliating slapstick. And it's directed by Johannes Nelham. Right, so then the following week on the 25th, you have a violation. Okay, so this was an official selection to Toronto International, Sundance and South by Southwest Film Festivals. With her marriage on the verge of collapse, Miriam returns to her hometown to seek solace in the comfort of her younger sister and brother-in-law after years apart. In one evening, a small slip in judgment leads to a catastrophic betrayal, leaving Miriam shocked, reeling and furious. She embarks on an extreme course of action to address the situation, but the price of revenge is high and she is not prepared for the toll it takes as she begins to emotionally and psychologically unravel. So this is co-written and co-directed by Madeline Sims Fuhr and Dusty Mancellelli. Damn, right? They all sound pretty damn great. Also playing in March, you've got The Burning, Anteville 2, The Possession, The Devils, right? Sword of God, Edge of the Axe, Vampires, Prey, Butcher, Baker, Nightmare Maker. Oh, good. <laughs> good little title there. You've got Hosts. You've got It Cuts Deep, Game of Death, Shakmara, Nosferatu, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligri, The Great Gabo, White Zombie, Let's Scare Julie, White of the Eye, The Untamed. There is a lot, people. So if you don't have Shudder, why the hell not? You call yourself a horror fan? Thank <laughs> you.
Right, so I decided to check out Ben Rahihi's De Deunited States. Okay, it's a um, it's a documentary, which is, ooh, I'd say, an hour. It's about mm, just under an hour and a half, right? And the gist is this. At a time when America is ripping apart at the seams, the United States is a powerful and urgent documentary that follows the unsung heroes on the difficult journey of bridging our political and racial divides. Susan Bro, who lost her daughter when a car drove through a crowd of counter-protesters in Charlottesville, um, and David and Erin Leverton, a Republican couple who traveled to all 50 states in an RV to find out what divides us, are just a few of the characters profiled in the film. Each of these bridge builders have realized that while our divides run deeper than they ever could have imagined, so does the love and hope to bring our country back together. Based on the book of the same name by Mark Gerzon, the film urges us to consider that everyone has a role to play in reuniting the country. So yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. Now, it opens up. I would say, like, one of the, the most powerful parts of the film is the very start. It opens up with a quote from Thomas Jefferson, right? So, the greatest good we can do our country is to heal its party division and make them one people, right? Now, in essence, that's, you know, that's the conceit of everyone involved here. And, you know, we meet a host of different people. Like, more people, um, you know, like, not everyone, I would say, gets equal uh, screen time. Like, some people have more focus than others, which, you know, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, right? But it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's trying to bring it all together, you know, I, I think it's kind of all framed with uh, the Levitons, you know? I think that's where, you know, everything kind of gets connected together because David and Aaron, you know, they, um, yeah, they travel to all 50 states in an RV, right, with their three little kids, which, I don't know, I mean, you kind of think, hey, is that the best thing to do? I don't know. I don't know, people, but essentially what they did, they spent a week in each state trying to um, talk with people and and that kind of thing, um, which you, I mean, I would say that I don't know if that's long enough to really get anything, you know, and, you know, they showed a few of those meetings right, which um, uh, sometimes they'd be in church halls and stuff like that, and they'd sit with people and they'd talk about stuff, 
there was one conversation that was had um which i don't know like i think if you look at it in one way right you could perceive it as being maybe argumentative right there's there's a guy you know he's pushing back on what they're saying but i i think you look at it and you'd be like i think this is one of the most honest conversations that is you know being had there's you know there's a lot of platitudes that are getting thrown around in this which look on on the surface you you know you understand these people yes they all want to do something good i mean how really convicted you don't know but this one guy is just like you know what what you're saying not everyone is going to resonate with you know because what you what you believe is an injustice injustice even so other people won't right and, and that's that's one of the the real things about all of this not everything is i don't think it's really laid out you know the the messaging which um you know people are trying to talk about right so yeah i i all of this kind of seems to have started from the uh, the charlottesville you know all the all the craziness that went down there right when the people went to counter protest the um the guy in the car ran into a crowd you know killed one girl injured like 19 other people which is yeah not just horrendous really you know and i think levitson you know he had been he'd been working on a lot of political campaigns right that that's one thing that we learn at the very beginning because you know he talks about well, why they decided to sell the house and do all of this and he's like oh you know i worked on all of these political campaigns and yeah i was doing stuff to really discredit the opposition and all of this and bum 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 but then after you know charlottesville and the the you know the last election which would have been the donald trump's first election because the last election was literally last year but um yeah that they're, they're, they're talking about the first election you know um and so yeah they're talking he's saying that that you know he he then made him look and think oh what i'm doing is bad and you know i i want to change i want to try and fix all of this now i think what would have been interesting to kind of know why you did it in the first like why there was no pushback right i i think it's easy to say oh after this i realized that this wasn't good right but why did you do it in the first place here is look i know there's a lot of things that we sometimes get asked within the workplace right 
It's a lot of things. And, you know, some things that, yeah, you have to do. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's your job. And, you know, the repercussions of not doing it could mean no job. Right? But there's other, there's times when you you can, you know, you, you say something. Like, I, I was asked one time to um, message all these people. And, like, we didn't, like, they hadn't signed up for any of our shit, right? We had obtained their information through other means. And I'm like, I don't believe it's legal for us to contact these people. I do not think we should be doing it. If this is going to go terribly wrong. And I raised my concerns, right? And, you know, they went to one person and I took them to someone else. And in the end, everyone was just like, nope, we're going to do it. Send out the messaging. So I was like, all right, I sent it out. And then the shitstorm, <laughs> right? The amount of complaints that hit was insane, right? was insane and then everyone starts talking gdrp and oh yeah oh we should do and it's just like oh yeah yeah you were told you were told but you know what i mean like, look i had to do it because it was my job but i i told them you know what i mean i it was on record i was not down with this you know but so that's the thing it's just like look sometimes you do things because they're your job but like, what did you think about them while you were doing it? And he never answered that. He never, w I mean, that question was never asked. He never went into it, you know, and I think that's an interesting one, right? So, um, yeah, you know, he, he, he questioned what he was doing and his wife was just, you know, oh, we, what would you want to do to change it? And then they came up with this idea and they went out. Like they went out, and so it's asking you know all of these people, but it's it's just the the plan of you know because they're just like oh we wanted to go and maybe have some dinner you know host some dinner parties and we talk to Democrats and Republicans you know and, and we'll talk about you know what's going on and just try and get them just to to me right that was their initial plan and it's just a bit like but what did you want to do with that right they, they didn't ever really seem an end goal and, and that's a lot of it that was happening they'd be like but what's your end goal here like what's happening now, I, I, I thought it was very, like, one really weird thing that he, he did say on numerous occasions, David Lev Levison, was, um, I didn't realise there was racism in the country. I thought it was over, right? And, I mean, just, just the fact that you, ha you had those faults is a little concerning you know what I mean? because it's just like how the fuck did you think it didn't exist you know well i mean there are reasons if you're only 
you know, your only sphere of influence is white people, yeah, you're gonna, you know, you may well think that, right, but then, again, right, that, that kind of makes it a bit odd that you're trying to do this thing, right, because you didn't really look to integrate your social circles in the past but now you want to try and speak for all these people and it like all the people that are covered in like for the most part the people that we meet that have the main focus of this like um we've got greg orman who's a an independent running for uh you know, office in Kentucky. Um, we've got Susan Bro, who's the mother of the young lady that was killed in Charlottesville, Heather, um, gosh, Hire. Hire? I think that's how you say it. Heather Hire. Uh, yeah, that's her mother. Now, the only person really of color is Stephen. Olikara, right, who, uh, he has set up a group called MAP, right, and it's, um, who, what do you say MAP is? It's like a, um, a political, like, millennials against politics? I think that's, that's what it was, that's what it is, something like that, but it, it's this big thing, and, you know, Republican, they, they bring in Republicans and Democrats and they, you know, talk about issues and rah, 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 right? But that's the only guy <laughs> of color who is talked about. So in a thing, right, in this documentary that you're being like, oh, we're trying to mend this divide and we're trying to fix this thing and blah, blah, blah. The main people, the main people we are following there's not really any diversity in that shit, which is a little ironic. You know what I mean? It is a little ironic, man. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a bad, this is, this makes this, you know, untenable. You shouldn't watch it. No, 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 no. Look, it's, um, I think it does serve a purpose right, this documentary does serve a purpose, but I don't think, you know, if you are going to watch it hoping for the answers, you're not going to get them, right, you're not going to get them, I mean, this documentary is for people like David and Aaron Leverton, and probably Susan Bro, right? Because she, you know, she she kind of talked to him. It's like, oh, before you know, Heather was killed. I didn't really have any clue of what was going on or any thoughts on this or that or blah blah blah. So, yeah, I I think if if you believe <laughs> racism isn't a thing, right? If you think there's not really any big issues. I, I, I think this will maybe open up your eyes, 
right? But I don't really think it's going to do much more than that, right? Because I d it's just the, the, the issues just kind of jump around a lot. You know what I mean? The, there is a, a, a bit of a lack of focus here. Because, you know, I think it's an hour and a half. And it's jumping between all of these people. Like, there's not a real focus. Because they talk about, right, when they go over to, um, you know, Greg Orman, right? He's running in Kentucky, and he's like, I'm running as an independent. I feel that's important, you know, the stranglehold of the two parties. But that's it, right? And, and they don't really go into any of the other issues, you know? And I think uh, it would have been really good to do that. Right, because you have all of these people and they're talking, and some people are like, "Oh, you know, well, you know." Case in point, at the end, you know, we've got um, David and Aaron. You know, they've moved the family. They finished the whole, you know, tour and whatnot, and they've, they, you know, they, they're just about to move the family, and they're they're sitting down uh, with some friends and they're talking. And, um, you know, the, the friends are like, oh, so what did you learn from all of this? You know, and they're like, oh, well, you know, she, Erin's like, um, last time I voted Trump, but I feel in the next election, I'm going to vote independent. Right? I, I, I'm not going to vote Democrat or Republican again. I, I'm going to vote independent. And I'm like, yes, that, that's fine. Like why, you know? I, I and I think it's easy to be like, oh, I'm this or I'm that. But we all know that every party is flawed, and and one of the big issues is, you know, people will try and push through a policy, but within that policy is so much other bullshit. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the dishonesty of politics is. You know, so it's you know, it's all well and good talking about things on a very base level. But you know, you, you have to address all the points, right? All the issues. And that's one of the big ones. You know, like if someone um you know, just for instance, right, you, you want to push through, because they, they do it all the time, like, I think, I think it was last year, there was a policy on music, right, I think it was on illegal downloads or something like that, but within that policy, I, I believe there was something on abortion, right, and you're just like, wait, why the fuck is there something on abortion within a policy about illegal downloads? And that's the dishonesty that we see. Yo, these are the weird issues. Yo, I think if you could vote for people, but then be like, oh, but I don't, 
I don't believe in that and I don't believe in that. You know, so maybe the, the point would be that instead of voting for one person, you vote for issues. You know, and that's it. And and so it's people, you know, go in on issues rather than a thing. So your whole purpose is to sort out, say, education. You do nothing else. Right? Nothing else. You're 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 just doing education. So we're voting on one person to who's gonna look after that. And then it's just like, oh right, the environment. Let's look at that. Boom, boom, boom. Rather than one person who says they're gonna address all of these things and never do. <laughs> and they're never held accountable for all the lies that they've told. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? I, I think that's one, you know, and obviously that's not the sole way that you could do it. There are so many different, you know, approaches, but this doesn't cover any of them, right? Doesn't cover any of them, which you just feel, it, it's kind of missed something there, right? Now, you often see um, Mark Gerzon. Right, we often see him, but he's just a talking head, right? Because he wrote the book, The Reunited States of America How We Can Bridge the Partisan Divide. So, there's often you know, it, it cuts to a you know, a shot of him, and he'll be like, Oh, and I believe this, and then it moves on, right? And, and there's a lot of that within it, and you're just like, Do we do we need? these like what are the purpose you know we get these shots of them staring off into the distance uh, and things like that you're just like wait why is this a part of this you know i mean there's definitely fluff that could have been cut out right there is definitely that but yeah i don't know right it is something that I think it will open people's eyes on certain topics if they literally have no understanding. But other than that, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what the hell Susan Bro is doing. Right? Yes, her daughter was killed. And that is very sad. That is, is horrible. It's sad. But, right, she, she go, we see her at places talking, but talking without a real purpose? You're like, what is the point of this thing she's at? Like, what are they trying to achieve? You know? Like, there's, there needs to be, I mean, I kind of wish there was more clarity on a lot of this stuff. You know, but... Yeah, I don't know, people, it is out now, right? It is out now. So if you are interested, you know, if politics intrigue you, if you think to yourself, huh, how are they looking to kind of fix this divide? Like, how are they, you know, talking about these subjects? Well, you can grab it on, um, you know, digital download or a DVD. Yeah. The United States.
gifts yeah it is it is their people so um yeah you know they obviously we got the trailer in um you know the the the, the, the uh, episode information so obviously go take a look at that but you can find this on you know itunes google play xbox all those usual places which you um you know you get your digital downloads right and um i imagine the dvd is on amazon yeah or where again wherever you buy dvds <laughs> i don't know where that is now but there are places so um hey go check it out you know it is shot well I will say that like Ben Rahihi does have a good way of shooting things but yeah it, it, it's just really the, the the focus which you know seemed a bit wishy-washy for me but um you know as I said look it's just under an hour and a half um it's a documentary and it's out now people debut films are always interesting right because you know someone's usually got a limited budget and they're at the beginning of their careers you know sometimes the people have worked on you know commercials music videos and things such as that a bit like our um, director of this film sometimes they haven't done anything right um so yeah it's interesting to see what they can do with this budget how are they going to you know some some kind of uh bring about this um this vision you know transport us to this world make us believe in what's going on so for um chino moya you know he it's his first feature film but yeah he's worked on commercials he's um done a few shorts stuff like that you know music videos and um he has decided to bring about this oh dystopian fantasy film right and um obviously he's a uh, within a team of people so it is produced by sophie verner um sean whelan right sebastian schulzens anthony muir katrine kisser uh goran dujic cinematography is david redeka um, the music is Wojcik Galowski. Okay, so the cast is a big cast, right? So, um, kind of our framing characters are K and Z, and they're uh, Jonathan Myers and Geza Ruhirig. We've then got um, Michael Gould, Haley Carmichael, Ned Dennehy, Khalid. Uh, Abdallah, Eric Godden, Tanya Reynolds, Tad Hag Murphy, Jan Aboyvet, Kate Dickey, Sam Luquick, Adrian Rawlins, 
Slavko Labojevic, Jonathan Case, Madison Whelan, Bern Gorman, Simon Manyanda, Lauren Hilton, and Tim Plester. So, the gist of the piece is, um, is this. In a futuristic post-apocalyptic landscape, K and Z roam the streets on the lookout for corpses and possibly even something more valuable. Fresh meat. Under Gods is an anthology film that will take you on an ill-fated journey through a dystopian Europe where stories and characters intertwine in the most doomed way possible. Gina Moyle weaves these stories together to present a bleak indictment on modern middle-class life, imbued with a dark humour reminiscent of a Ben Wheatley and Peter Strickland. So, um, yeah, right, we, this starts off, right, we have our, our main characters, um, K and Z, and they're in this, like, uh, it's like a dustbin truck, right? And they're roaming the streets, and they find a body. They, dead body, throw them in the back, and they're sitting, get back in, they're driving, and they're talking. Right? As you do at work, you know, bemusing life and whatnot. And they start going, oh, I'm having these weird dreams. And they're sharing these weird, weird dreams, which then bring us into our first story, you know, and that seems to be a little framing device that's used, you know, we jump into each of the stories through conversation between a couple of people, which is an interesting way of doing it, you know, but, um, yeah, so we got these, these three stories, you know, which, I mean, two kind of revolve around couples, right? We got two of the stories. They revolve around couples and um, kind of what's going on with them. And then our third story, well, it's the other story, which technically is the second story. It's um, a work situation, but kind of working in the same way right um now with this one we have someone you know a stranger walks into an office and he's like i've got an idea got an idea and he lays it out to the guy you know and the guy's interested but he's like oh i i you know i i need to um i need the plans right you need to leave all this stuff here so i can check it with my people guy doesn't want to but he does, right, and um, you can imagine some of the, um, some of the things that then happen from there, right, which aren't necessarily good, this story does bring us back into, um, you know, our first world, though, in a, in a bit of an interesting way, right, there's, I think, you look at it, and, you do wonder, like, okay, where are all of these stories kind of set, right, what is the world, how are they connected, right, are these people talking about a past history, 
You know, because as I say, look, the first world that we see, you know, with this, um, you know, truck that's picking up dead people, it's apocalyptic. You know, it's desolate. Everything's falling apart. But then the other world we see, they're kind of more, kind of more like our own. We're in, you know, buildings and all of that kind of thing. People in nice enough clothing and stuff, you know, going to work, doing jobs. Right. So you're just like, okay, so is this a, is this before it all went to bang? Right. Is that what we're meant to be seeing here? But yeah, then, as I said, look, the second story, it, it leads us directly into this other world, as it were, which you do like you you know you are kind of like, huh? Because these people do seem a bit oblivious to this, so it is kind of odd. But then, then. We, in the third story, again, we do seem to get this crossover, right? So, you are a bit like, huh, what is going on? But everything is connected in a way through the, through the tone. It is all very dark. It's all very dark. It's very bleak. You know, even in, like, the moments that seem, you know, you think, okay, they're nice, they're fine. They're not really, right? In the second story, you think the guy's got a decent enough relationship with his daughter. Then you kind of feel, oh, no. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's all a little bit, oh. You know, I think it would just depress the hell out of you if you lived in any of these situations. They're not good. But visually, it all is very compelling, right? Some places are a little dark and make it a little bit difficult to see. But other than that, it, it does look good. You know, you do get a sense of dread. You do get this kind of oppressive feel to things. And the acting, the acting is... Acting is very good, right? Everyone involved uh, give us these really interesting performances. You know, because what we get from the people, like, you know, in the, um, you know, if we go with the second story, right, you believe that, um, oh, I'm going to say hands, right? You, you believe that he's, um, he's being decent, Right? And then you kind of be like, oh, no, 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 he's an arsehole, <laughs> you know, but you get those kind of transformations, and then um, Johan, like his daughter's boyfriend, again, you see, at one moment you see that cocky side, you see the drunken side, and then you see him for, um, you know, who he is. <laughs> Right, so everyone gives us these very nuanced and, um, yeah, kind of, you know, in-depth personas, which is interesting. You know, when we look at the couples, right, you, you see, um, well, I think 
one thing they try and show you is now it's not always the case but you know when when people are assholes right you know you want to they're happy to threaten a woman but when they're confronted with violence to themselves it all changes right all changes and yeah we do see that so i think yeah the performances are very good like the tone is yeah it's interesting now i like it doesn't always perfectly fit together right with these stories and there are a lot of holes you know what i mean there are definitely a lot of holes right that kind of make you go wait but if that how did huh i don't know yeah that's a good point so there's a few of that but you know to be honest with you people to be honest it doesn't overly matter you know what i mean i i think there's a lot of stuff that we can be like yeah all right fine i can get over that you know that's not too that's not too much of an issue for me to um yeah kind of get on board with this you know it, 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 it all kind of it all does work in and of itself right i think one of the the nicest little bits though has to be the father and daughter right now <laughs> not the father and daughter within the main second story but the ones at the beginning the ones framing it right that all of that interaction yeah that 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 that's probably one of the nicer parts <laughs> one of the less grimmer parts of this story you know but um yeah everything else it it you know i think we do understand the stories even though they're not necessarily wrapped up you know with a clear and present ending and all of that we do we do kind of understand what they're about and it does it does give you a clear message don't help people <laughs> do not help strangers because um it will bite you in the ass oh and also yeah don't be shitty people <laughs> i think i think that's what they're telling us right <laughs> but people you can uh yeah, you can go and check all of these out, right? You can go watch these tales and um, yeah, see what old Chino Amoya has to tell you. Because um, this is playing as, um, yeah, as mentioned, as part of the Glasgow, yeah, I said it correctly, Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow. <laughs> yes, it's... it's it's playing as part of the Glasgow Film Festival, right? And that starts tomorrow, Friday the 26th of February, and it runs until Monday the 1st of March. So if you if you go access this film or any of the films playing during the festival, I feel that you um yeah, 
you probably it's probably like all the other festivals and uh, you get to um you know watch them over that period of time right i think that's how it usually works you get that window get a time period window which you can watch it but i think once you start then you've got a day or two days something like that i feel that's how i think that's how they have mostly worked you know yeah because i did what the bfi fantasia and um the london short film festival i think they and sci-fi london yeah i think they all kind of worked within that system but um look the links are in the episode information so um if you hit that web link you it will take you um to the glasgow film um site where underdogs is sitting and you can book and watch it there uh so yeah if this sounds compelling to you it's a little bit weird a bit like um you know ben wheatley's high rise right so if you enjoyed high rise then i feel this this will resonate with you okay so um yeah under gods first film from chino mayo and i have to say yeah I, i'm very intrigued to see what he does next you know but um yeah there you go oh it, the the actual premiere of this tomorrow right friday the 26th is 8 45 in the evening so um yeah there you go people enjoy <laughs> Different films come up all the time, right? You know, different themes, different genres. And, like, you... you, I think you, you have to pick... You have to pick the ones you want to cover. Now, the thing is, you always want to try and cover a broad spectrum. Because, you know, if you just cover the same type of thing over and over again... Like, you're not going to be able to really do anything justice. You need to see different types of films to um, just increase your your viewpoint, right? Give yourself a larger focus. Now, the problem is there's certain things that you have to watch at the right moment, right? Like, I try not to watch horrors at night. You know what I mean? And there's other films that you really need to be in the right mood for. And Foster Boy is definitely one of those films, right? And, hey, I watched this film at the wrong time. I really did. Now, it's, um, there's a lot that can be said about this film. There really is, right? But there's also a lot that I think could be missed with this film. So, yeah, let's get to, um, you know, let's get to the nitty-gritty of it all. It's it's directed by Yusuf Delara, okay? So, um, yeah, he directs the film. It is produced by Peter Samuelson, Andrew Sugerman, Anne-Marie Mackay, and J. Paul 
Detonant. Ooh. Detonant. Right. Who also, um, he also wrote the screenplay. Right. And, um, Detonant, he, he used to be a trial lawyer. You know, he used to be a trial lawyer fighting for child welfare in Chicago. So, yeah, he, he you know what I mean? He's definitely bringing a lot to this. You know I mean? he, he's seen a lot of the things that we see in this film. You know, so that's, that's a really, I feel that's a really important thing to kind of know. You know, it, there's, I think the problem with some, you know, Hollywood films, you can look at and you'd be like, oh, how true is that? And, you know what I mean, would that really happen? So when you have someone that has actually dealt with, you know, the subject, they've been on the front line that adds that authenticity to things you know so um yeah the cinematography is ben cuffrin and the music is Catherine bostick the cast whoo well the cast is um you know pretty yeah pretty something we've got um Matthew Modine, he plays Michael Trainer, who is um, the defense lawyer. We've also got um, Shane Paul McGee. He plays Jamal Randolph, who is um, the main, you know, the main guy who was in foster care. Um, we then have uh, his you know, adopted parents, so, um, his mother is played by Michelle Hyatt, and his dad is played by, um, Michael Beach, you know, so parents are Shana and a Bill, right, so you've then got, um, Lex Scott Davis, she plays Keisha James, so she works with, um, Michael Trainer. Um, we have got Julie Benz, she plays Pamela Dupree, who, ooh, Pamela Dupree is on the other side, she works at Belcourt, the company that, you know, put the kids in the different foster homes, they're the ones who are, um, on trial, right, so, um, you've then got Louise Gossett Jr. Yeah, you probably recognize that name. He plays Judge George Taylor. Um, we've then got um, Evan Handler. He plays um, Samuel Collins. So he's the, uh, the other lawyer who's with um, Pamela Dupree. Um, we've got Dominic Burgess plays Dan Cohen he used to work with Dupree uh, we have Amy Brenneman she plays Kim Trainer. it's Michael's ex-wife um, we've got hmm 
Oh, yes. We've got um, Grant Harvey plays Joey Paul. And Brendan Morrow plays the young Joey Paul. And, yeah, that character has a history with Jamal. Yeah. And you've got um, Jordan Belfi. He plays Jeff. Um, you have Christian Alexander Little, who plays a young Jamal. And we've got Anad Desi Barashi, who plays Sanjay. He is a porter at the hotel, which um, Michael Trainer stays at. Okay, so um, an executive producer on a piece is Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Um, and Shaquille said, A lot of what you see in that film actually happened in the courtroom. And Shane shows... Us the trauma and crushing emotional baggage foster kids carry for the rest of their lives. Which, yeah, you know, it's a big thing. Um, you know, as I mentioned, one of the producers is Peter Samuelson, who he's a founder of Five Star, which is a charity that gives academic support to young adults in the care system and um, higher education or their first job. So there's, you know, there's a lot of people working on this with, yeah, just that first-hand, you know, that for that first-hand knowledge of the situation. So what is the film about? All right, I will tell you people. Michael Trainer is a lawyer at the center of a trial in which a for-profit foster care agency puts a known sex offender into the same foster home as his young client, Jamal, with catastrophic results. Michael, a successful litigator with a long career in protecting corporate clients, has been blinded from recognizing the real damage they can cause. He wants nothing to do with Jamal's case until a judge forces him to accept it. Initially, he sees Jamal as a thuggish African-American youth trying to get a piece of corporate profits. But when Jamal refuses to settle the case for any amount of money, Michael begins his representation in earnest. As their work together reveals the horrifying depth of the corrupt and abusive for-profit foster care agency, Michael is transformed from reluctant defender to fierce warrior in the battle for justice. So yes, that's the thing. Now, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine you hear that and, you you know, you... um. You kind of get it, right? The film does kind of come off. Like, when you initially hear about it, and it starts, it, it comes off as, you know, the the white saviour, right? The white saviour saving the poor black kid, and all of that. And, yeah, you know, there, there was definitely that fear at the beginning. That that's all this will be. You know what I mean? 
because you know it like it, it starts off showing some you know horrifying things i mean listen you don't see any of the you know the foulness but there's the implications of right so you know it that's how it starts and then we're in prison um and you know you see jamal you know he's writing in his notebooks all of that you know so it's just you know the the interaction with guards you know there's just this whole thing you know we see we see them shackled you know so he's on the way to the court we then you know cut across to michael in his lavish house you know it's all kind of you know it's not cluttered right you know finch you can tell it is definitely feng shuied right so he walks out to the limo you know it's all casual it's all you know and then we cut to jamal in the back of the paddy wagon or whatever you would call it so they're giving you those contrasts you know michael going to the private jet and then we are introduced on the private jet to um you know keisha right and you know with that right you you see this young black lady working with michael trainer and so you know then that like it's like okay so is she gonna help him understand that the black guy isn't as bad as he thinks and you know she's the, she's gonna translate you know the the streets to you know what i mean that's kind of what you're thinking right and yeah some of those early scenes it, it does kind of play out like that right it does play out kind of corny you know, just some of the interactions and the things and, you know, like when Jamal first meets Trainer, he calls him free piece. And it's just like, ah, uh, uh, why am I having him? You know what I mean? Like, why is he going to be my my uh, lawyer? Like, I don't need him. And, you know, Trainer doesn't want to do it. And it's all, you know, it's all this. So you're just a bit like, ah, people, what what are you doing to me, man? What are you doing to me? But when you take all of that to the side, right, and you just kind of look at the facts, you know, and the things that they're actually talking about in the film, right? So there's important things here. Like, we find out that Belcourt it is set up to fail because you know the problem with foster care is you get paid for every child that you take right so as a foster um oish you know the people that would take the foster kids in i forget what you would call them but you know they get paid so you have a lot of people who will just take kids not because they like kids but because they want the money so you know what i mean the more you can fit in the more money you can get so you have that but then you find out belcourt because you know 
they do work for the um you know the local um district right so they're getting paid for every kid that they can uh you know put into care so the more kids you put into care the more money you can make so if that system fails right and you have to move a kid you're then getting paid again so you, you're you're seeing all of this and this is a, a thing that happens this is a thing you know because if you know anything about the foster care system it is broken it is it's not good it's a mess right it's a horrible mess and whew, i mean the adoption services are no better you know what i mean it's uh yeah it's not a good system people so uh, you know all of this starts to bleed through right and that's the emotional pull here right that that's the thing that fucks you up right when you're hearing about the abuse you know when you're hearing all of that it's just ugh. <laughs> it's not something that uh, you like. This is the thing. I've watched this late at night. Don't watch it late at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? This isn't something you want to watch late at night. Watch it during the day. Uh, yeah. Possibly watch it with people. Because, you know, it's, uh, it's a little grim in places, people. It's a little grim. You know, so I think that aspect, when you get to this thing, you know, the nitty gritty of it all, it, 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 it has this resonance to it. You know, it, it's got that power to it. You know, there's things in here that you wonder, right, like, do, is that happening? Like, would that happen? Right, I don't know right there's certain things right so they play things like um you know trainer discredits it all and then Keisha's like oh he left his books read the books and in the books like he writes down the ex Jamal has written down the experience in you know verses because you know he raps right I mean yeah again if he rapped or if he didn't who knows Right, that is a little, if he didn't, that's a little played out, it's a little stereotype, but it is what it is. You know, but, you know, you first have Trainer discredit the books, but then he reads them, and this, this is the moment where everything starts to resonate with him. You know, so... You have these little things. There's things like that in the film that, you know, make you roll your eyes a little, right? They do make you, you roll your eyes a little, you know. And then, you know, there's just bits like that, right? There's someone in it, in, you know, who could help the case but doesn't want to do it, obviously, right? Because that, that is always a thing with these types of films. And there is a moment in the film, and you think, is he going to walk into the court now? Right? Is that what's going to... 
<laughs> so yeah, there's there's these things, right, which you can't get away from with Hollywood. Right, because you kind of feel I don't believe it happened exactly like that. Now, I, I do believe that you know, in a, in a case like this, that a lot of the things probably did happen. You know, it's, it's like the evidence and all of that, right? But yeah, there are things that I don't know. But as I said, you. I think the acting is very good. The acting is very good. The acting is very solid. And you do, you know, as I said, look, when Jamal is on the stand, that's a powerful moment, right? That's a moment, yeah, that's going to fuck you up, right? That's, a you know, a bit that resonates with you. And, I like, at the end with... um. You know, Dupree, you know, like there's certain things with her that are, you know, that's very good. So I, I would say, you know, these are the things that help elevate the film from just this cynical Hollywood portrayal of a harrowing situation. You know, because I think it definitely could fall into that. Right, but I think certain things help mitigate. They definitely do. Like there are some things that are a bit like Modine. I don't know if Modine has the best delivery. You know, I mean, like you do wish. I don't know. It might just be me, but like Trainer, he doesn't come across as a great orator. And you're thinking that a lawyer who's that successful, who's always winning, they will have a way with words. They will be able to project their voice. You know, they will be able to connect with people on a certain level. And Modine's delivery, that part of his delivery, right? So... Just him talking and, you know, just the everyday scenes are fine. He does a good job with all of that. You know, with his wife, with Jamal, all of that works. But it's just the speeches in court don't, they don't really have the impact that you're looking for. Right? Now, obviously, that is a, it's a thin line, right? Because you don't want it to be hammed up and you don't want it to feel you know like a play but you do want it to you know like if you're giving a speech here <laughs> at an organization if you're talking any sort of public talking there is a way in which you deliver and a way in which you can connect and Modine doesn't quite do that which is a shame, because yeah, other than that, he does do his role well, you know, does do his role well, like there are certain things that you do kind of feel, how is that not looked into more, like there's a car situation, you know, there's a situation with Modi, with Trainer's kid, right, there's certain things that you're just like, hmm, 
how is that not beyond yeah and I, i'm kind of like uh, like would that happen i don't know but if it did happen how is it not right so there is that but i don't know like this is see this is one of those weird things with this film right and look we've seen similar stuff you know what i mean we definitely seen similar stuff like uh, the trial for the Chicago Seven, right? That that's a a film that deals with certain things in a certain way, which is you know, you have to kind of think, right? You you look at it and you'd be like, oh, is that like that? Would it be like that? You know? So there's that. Um, just mercy, you know, the Michael G. B. Bleh, Michael B. Jordan film, you know, again, there's moments in that that you're a bit like, it's a bit too Hollywood, man, and, like, the certain things that they're dealing with, it doesn't always, doesn't seem to ring true, right, it feels inauthentic, but it, it's the message, right, it, it's, I feel it's just the message that is contained in the film that is just as important. No, and I think it, this is something that people, I think it's something that they should see, they should know about, right? Then I think people should know how fucked up, you know, for the foster system is, you know? So, I would give it a look. I, I do think it is better than a lot of films of its ilk, you know? So, yeah, I, I would do that, people. You know, and at the end, right, so it gives you some really horrible information, right, so half a million American children are in foster care, half a million, right, how just, ugh, and over 40% of those foster children will be homeless, incarcerated, or die within three years of leaving the foster care system. And I feel if anything, if if watching this film can help with that, then you know I mean? all power to this fucking film. You know what I mean, like all power to this goddamn film and people, right? So yes, that is American information, but you know what I mean it's just the same in the UK, right, so, um, some information that First Star have is, looked after young people achieve below average outcomes at GCSE, with only 17.5% passing English and maths, compared to 59.4% of their non-looked-after peers. Only 9% of care experienced young people achieve 5 plus GCSE pass grades compared to 59% of their peers. Right? You know what I mean? Care leavers make up 0.1% of all undergraduates. You know what I mean? That is just like, just some horrible shit, you know what I 
going 40% of jobs requiring a degree level education, yet there are few groups less likely to access higher education than young people growing up in care. Right, so they're the facts, people. That's the information. So if you do want to see this film, which is out on Monday, the 1st of March, right, you can, you know, pre-order it on iTunes. There is a link on the website in the information, right? Um, and you can, you know, if you don't want to get it from iTunes, you can get it from Amazon, Google Play, Virgin, TalkTalk, Sky Store, all your favorite spots okay and if you want to know more people go to um the foster boy website right again it's in the information you know go to the foster boy website and hit the um there's a button on in the middle or you know along the top banner the top banner called the issue Right, so go to the issue, and that will that gives you a lot of information. Right, you know, Shack explains. There's some more information there. There's a Q and A section. Yeah, there's a lot of information if you want to know more people, if you want to help, if you want to do all of that. Because people do that, you know. If you do anything, try and help. All right, all right, people. Thank you for your time. Okay, people, so we are approaching the end of another episode. But before we do, you know what I mean? Let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Alright? So it would seem that um you know disney are um, making another sequel this time it's to um you know their young adult film star girl right um which yeah dropped last year right so um it was originally adapted from a jerry spinelli book right um, about a boy living in Arizona who wishes nothing more than an anonymous existence. His life is turned upside down when he meets and falls for an unusual and colourful girl named Star Girl. Much of um, you know the team that worked on that movie will be coming back. You know what I mean? So um, that means. Um, Grace Van Der Waal is back and Julia Hart to direct. Uh, but we are also now getting Elijah Richardson joining the cast and um, Michael Penn will be doing the music for the film. Um, Judy Greer is also going to be in the film playing Stargirl's mum. Yeah. There you go, people. Um, yeah, it looks like the original team that wrote the first one are going to be writing this. Which, um, yeah, that was uh, Julia Hart and Jordan Horowitz. 
So they will be doing that with um, Christina Hahn helping out. Alright. Sure. Uh, what should we look at next? Whoa. Well, it looks like um, there's going to be a new addition to the world of DC films. Alright. So um, this time they will be turning their first Latin hero. You know what I mean? To the film world And if you don't know who that is people If you don't know who that is Well I will let you know It's um, Jamie Reyes A.K.A. The Blue Beetle Mm-hmm Um Yo I believe he is The third Um Incarnation of the Beetle I think it's that Yeah you know, um, basically, what happened with old Jamie? You know, one day he discovered a scarab, and it grafted itself to his spine, as they do, right? And provides him with a suit of extraterrestrial armor that can be modified to enhance his speed and strength, as well as to create weapons, wings, and shields. And old Jamie lives in El Paso. Boom. He's um, you know, a Mexican Americana. So um, yeah, we're gonna get um Gareth Dunn Alahur. You know, he's gonna be writing the script. And they have um, tasked Angel Manuel Soto to um, direct a film. Okay, so um, people, yeah, have that to look forward to. Okay, so um, Mila Djokovic has got a new film coming, and obviously it's going to be directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, right? So, I mean. Look, Mila Jovovich isn't a bad actress, but she only seems to ever, you know what I mean, get hired by a husband these days, which is kind of weird. It's crazy. It's weird. But uh, Dave Batista will be joining her on the project, which is an adaptation of In the Lost Lands, which was a novella from George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's happening, right? So, in the film, Djokovic will be playing Grey Ayers, a dangerous and feared sorceress hired by a desperate queen in order to fulfill her love. Right, Ailes is sent to the ghostly wilderness known as the Lost Lands with her guide, the Drifter Boyce. Played by Bazista. They must outwit and outfight man and demon. <laughs> there you go, people. Alright, so um yeah. In some other news, alright, now this is kinda interesting, right? We are gonna be getting a Millie Vanilli biopic. Yeah. And it's getting brought to us by Brett Ratner. Which, you know, I don't think many people would have put the two together. But yeah, that's what is going to be happening, people. <laughs> Supposedly, it's his um, passion project. 
Oh man, so um, yeah, no uh, word on what's happening with it, right? Um, yeah, it, it, it's just you know, he's gonna be doing this. Um, so Jeff Nathanson is writing the script. And it's going to be exploring their success in the late 80s and early 90s Before the lip sync scandal led to their downfall Hmm It's going to be interesting man Ah uh, You know what I mean There was a lot of shenanigans Like it was the You know The studio I believe That got them to do it You know what I mean so it wasn't actually them But they got the backlash But uh, yeah I am looking forward to that one Now this is interesting right? Did you know That The Running Man Was um, you know, Based on a novel From Stephen King Because I did not Or maybe I did and I've just forgotten Because I have forgotten so much here But um, yeah You know he wrote the book in the in 82 And um, yeah Schwarzenegger you know He was in the film in 87 Hmm But supposedly That film The 87 one It, it was loosely based on the book Right but so um, This new version from Wright Supposedly um, Yeah It's gonna be more More aligned to the book Right, so um, yeah, Michael Backle is gonna be writing, um, yeah, writing the script, and then they're gonna be putting it together, right? So um, Simon Kingberg, Nia Park, and Audrey Chon will be producing. Hmm, I'm intrigued, man. I'm definitely intrigued. So um, you might be thinking. You know what? I haven't seen Ryan Gosling for a while. Well, yeah, we'll soon because Gosling is coming with a new film called The Actor. Right? So it is, you know, it's based on a book, right, called Memory from Donald E. Westlake. Right? Um, and, uh, yeah. You know, the story basically, Gosling plays a character called Paul Cole, right? Who is dealing with um, his messed up memory, which he, uh, yeah, happened to him after he was nearly beaten to death and left for dead, right? It's set in the 1950s Ohio. And after that, Cole follows a thrilling journey to find home, love, and ultimately, himself. (laughs) So it's going to be directed by Duke Johnson, right? And um, he will also be producing along with Abigail Spencer, Ken Koo, Paul Young, and Goslin. Um, and the script is written by Johnson and Stephen Cooney. So yes. Now this, I mean, I could have started off with this news, but um, 
I thought it was more interesting the things I started off with. But people, cinemas are coming back. Yes. Don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. Alright, so Como has said that in New York State they will open from the 5th of March. Right? Now it is a bit of a um, half, cup half empty because you know it, they're only allowed to be open by a 25% capacity, right? So no more than 50 people per screen. It's saying so you're gonna still have to wear masks and other social distancing protocols will have to be in place. You know, all of that shenanigans So, I don't know how profitable that's going to be for a cinema You know what I mean? Only 50 people in a screen God damn, they're going to be Yeah, they don't want any three hour films They want to get as many screenings a day Because boy, they need to recoup, man So yeah, that will be That's going to be New York State now, over in the UK, things are a little bit different, right? So, um, certain things are going to start reopening from the 8th of April. Well, when I say certain things, it's schools. From the 8th of April, schools are reopening. Then, so drive-in cinemas, right? They're allowed to open from the 12th of April. Like you would have thought drive-in cinemas should be open just anyway Right? Because you're going to be in a car It's just like, how the fuck can't drive-in cinemas be open now? This is so insane You know? But yes, drive-in from the 12th And then cinemas themselves from the 17th of May So, um, yeah You know? Like, boy, New York, you got it nice You know what I mean? We gotta, we gotta wait a little bit longer over here. Oy. Anyway, all right. So, um, you know, Paramount Plus will be opening up. I think it's next week, right? You know, it used to be CBS All Access. So it's just a rebranding, essentially. But uh, because of all of this. You know, Paramount have, um, yeah, they rejigged a few things. So, what the deal is, they're not doing a HBO Max. No. They will be um, shortening the window, though. Right? They're going to keep the window, but it's going to be shorter. So, normally, it was 90 days, you know, 90 days to a VOD. And then 12, 6 to 12 months before it hit, you know, free TV. But now, with Paramount Plus, films such as Mission Impossible 7, A Quiet Place 2, Creed 3, you know, Paw Patrol, all of that jazz, it'll be 45 days. So once it hits the cinema, a month and a half later, Paramount Plus, baby. So, uh, yeah, that is what's going to be happening with that. Um, Alright, so there is a slew 
a slew of Netflix news coming. So, um, you know, Zack Schneider, he, um, you know, he made uh, Army of the Army of the Dead with Netflix, right? Um, he's got that. He's got a, a zombie TV series and some other stuff. It's this whole big thing, right? So, um, yeah, that will be hitting Netflix on the 21st of May. So, um, yeah, you know, it, this film, it's also, yeah, Dave Batista, Dave Batista again. We got Ella Panel, Amari Hardwick, Anadella Rulga, Theo Rosie, and other people. You know, it, it's that film that um, Crystalia was meant to be in, and then they switched him out for Tignotero, which is just like, are you? <laughs> but anyway, alright, so you got that, okay? Now, other stuff, right? The next Netflix bit is um, Paul Feig has a, a new film coming. So it's gonna be based on um, some Suera, Summon Chinani's, um, you know, best-selling book, right? Um, called The School for Good and Evil, right? Film is called the same thing, and it follows two best friends, Sophie and Agatha, right? Students at the titular school where ordinary boys and girls are trained to be fairy tale heroes and villains. Sophie has princess ambitions. Agatha seems a natural fit for the villains. But when the girls find their fortunes reversed, their friendship will be put to the test. Oh dear. <laughs> oh my god. It sounds so dumb. Oh, so Washington will be playing Professor Dovey, the Dean of Good, and Ferron will play a Lady Lesso, the Dean of the School for Evil. <laughs> so David McGee and Laura Solid are writing the screenplay for it. With Feig um, producing, along with Laura Fisher, Joe Roth, Jeffrey Kutchenborn, and Jane Starts. Our next picks of Netflix news. Alright, so um, Netflix are doing Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. No, 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 no. They didn't buy the franchise off of Disney. No. They are doing their own um, thing because yeah pirates you know they were huge up in the caribbean right so um what they're gonna be doing is following like this is some real shit too right so um well when i say real it, it's gonna be kind of based around <laughs> you know what I mean based around with some other elements thrown in it's gonna be called the bluff right so, um, yeah, it, it's set on the Cayman Islands in the 1800s, right? So, uh, Saldana is going to be playing a character called Ursul, right? She's a Caribbean, a Caribbean woman whose secret past is revealed when her island is invaded by vicious buccaneers. 
Mm-hmm. Yup, yup. So, uh, Frank E. Flowers is directing. Joe Ballerini is writing the script along with Flowers. Um, the Russo brothers, Mike LaRuca, Angela Russo Ottosoltut, and Morel and Cicely Saldana are going to be producing. Okay. Some more interesting Netflix films, right? So Gareth Evans and Tom Hardy, they're working together, people, right? They are working together. Uh, so they've just signed a deal with Netflix to, um, yeah, basically produce a slew of films and TV shows and the whatnot for them, right? So their first project is going to be called Havoc, right? Hardy is going to be um, starring in it. Evans will be writing, producing, and directing. Um, and um, Hardy, along with Aaron Tertzakane, will also be producing. So, basically, right? It's... um. You know, drugs and cops, right? So a big drug deal goes wrong, and a bruised detective must fight his way through a criminal underworld to rescue a politician's estranged son, all while unraveling a deep web of corruption and conspiracy that ensnares his entire city. Go, go, go. All right, another. Team of um, high-level motherfuckers are also um, going to be coming together at Netflix, and this time it is Michael Fensberger, Fassbender, even, and David Fincher. Yes. So, um, you know, Fassbender will be starring. Fincher will be directing. I mean, it's hardly going to be the other way around, right? <laughs> and it's going to be called The Killer, right? So it's based on a, a graphic novel by Alexei Nolant, actually, right? And it, it follows a cold-blooded assassin who begins to develop a conscience, causing him to emotionally crack, even as his clients continue to demand his skills. So, um, Andrew Kevin Walker is gonna be writing the script, you know? Um, and yeah, no word on when it's gonna be um, hitting. I think filming is starting in September. Yep, yep. And people, let us end on this one. Last bit of Netflix news. So, um, Spike Lee, Spike Lee and Stefflon Bristol are coming together to create Gordon Henaway and the realm of Chutahulu. Yep. So, Lee is going to be producing and Bristol will be directing this project. Right, it's it was written by Hank Woon and Frederica Bailey. Right, it's um set in East Africa in 1928, and it follows roguish black 
American gunslinger Gordon Hemingway, who teams up with the elite warrior Princess Zenobi of Ethiopia, who was real people, to rescue the country's kidnapped regent from an ancient evil. Um, Chitalu, of course, is a um, H.P. Lovecraft um, concept. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it sounds interesting, right? Lloyd Levin and Beatrix Levin um, are going to be, uh, you know, handling um, producing duties. And Goodbye Kansas are handling the visual effects. So, people, that is us. All right. So, um, remember, right? Uh, you know, go to the website. You can find um, all the information of all our, all the films we talked about today. Under Gods is out Friday at the Glasgow Film Festival. All right. So, people, there you go. We will uh, see you next week. Enjoy your film watching. And, um, yeah, you know. <laughs> Have fun, people. Oh, yeah, also, people, um, you know, the, the Foster film is out on Monday. All right? Cool. Peace. Peace.